The Chronicles of Vladimir Todd, 8th Grade Bites, Chapter 6, Secrets and Sanctuary. Dressed as I am, what do, you, what do I look like to you? Mr. Otis looked about the classroom. Several students fiddled with objects on their desk in response. Some met his gaze with glazed eyes of indifference. Come on, first thing that pops into your head. A small voice broke the silence. A homeless guy? Stephanie Braun shot her hand up. Her tone was matter of fact. A mortician? A zombie? Carl squeaked. Carl was one of the quieter students. Lanky, shy. It always surprised Vlad to hear his voice. Mr. Otis pointed a long finger at Carl. His eyes twinkled. Yes, as you seem to enjoy my unicorn costume last week and my troll costume the week before, I thought I'd choose something a bit less obvious this time. I wore this as inspiration for the project we'll be undertaking this week. Mr. Otis turned to his bag where he retrieved a hefty sack of papers and began passing them to each student. Once the papers were handed out, he returned to his perch on the corner of the desk, a proud smile on his face. He searched their eyes, obviously expecting wonderment and curiosity, but his smile slipped when he found only disappointment. Even Vlad, who'd come to enjoy having Mr. Otis as a teacher over the past few weeks, had found the study of such things fascinating. Slumped down in his seat, new projects always started out sounding cool, but before you knew it, the teacher had glitter and construction paper strewn about the room and you were getting fitted for some stupid costume. Vlad decided that teachers' ideas were a lot like bunches of garlic, intriguing from afar, but up close, sadly sickening, and if you weren't careful, deadly. Still, he felt sorry for Mr. Otis, who, like so many substitutes, was trying to make an impression. Vlad raised his hand and asked, Will this be an oral report or written? I'm glad you asked. Mr. Otis glanced down at the papers on his desk and back at the class. Since I first began teaching you, we've been learning the folklore and history of a different mytho mythological creature every week. This week, we will embark on the study of supernatural beings. And at the end of our studies, you will each be turning in a thousand-word essay on one of those supernatural creatures, as well as giving an oral presentation near the end of February. Mr. Otis turned to the back blackboard with the spring in his step and scribbled down a list of slightly crooked words. He turned back to the class and nodded at, an intrigued, at the intrigued looks he saw on their faces. Reaching into his bag, he retrieved a handful of small folded papers. Mr. Otis stuffed them into his hat and said, these will be no ordinary reports. I want you to write them as if you were the creature you draw from my hat. Tell me how you feel, what your strengths are, your weaknesses, any special abilities you may have. Tap into what makes you a witch, a werewolf, a vampire, and so on. Show me the true nature of yourself. Vlad sank further into his seat. Hiding his true nature was a daily chore and certainly not something he wanted to expose in front of the class. People would panic. Meredith would cringe and he could only imagine how closely Principal Snellgrove would watch him after learning his secret. As Mr. Otis began his slow trip around the room, stopping at each desk and holding out the hat, Vlad crossed his fingers under the desk and hoped that the mathematical odds would be with him and he'd draw zombie or warlock, anything but his true nature. In front of him, Chelsea Whitaker was poring over her pick. She lifted a furrowed brow at Mr. Otis, who merely smiled and held the hat out to Vlad. Vlad reached in and pulled out a slip of paper. Vlad cupped it in his hand, willing it to read anything but vampire. He took a deep breath, held it until his lungs burned, and opened his hand. The paper was blank. 
Vlad blinked, and when he looked up at Mr. Otis, he noticed that his teacher was watching the slip of paper with decided interest. Feeling more than a little curious and only slightly stupid, Vlad flipped the paper over and read his assigned creature, Werewolf. A sigh escaped Vlad before he realized it was he who'd made it. At the moment, he couldn't think of a more pleasant word to read, and so he read it once again, Werewolf. He could do werewolf, howling at the moon, fear of all things silver, inexplicable urge to sniff the butts of people he met on the street. Oh yeah, piece of cake. Mr. Otis's hand clenched into a tight fist. Then, just as Vlad's muscles relaxed, the letters scrawled on the small rectangle of paper blurred. At first, Vlad thought his eyes were simply losing focus, so he squeezed them closed, but when he opened them again, the, latter, the letters were rearranging themselves moving about the piece of paper like tiny figure skaters. Some of the lines blended with others, forming new letters. Vlad's jaw dropped, and as if on command, the letters stopped moving. Vlad read the new word they'd formed aloud, vampire. He couldn't do vampire. Fear of the sun, craving for blood, inability to enjoy Italian food, everything that he really was, this was going to suck. Mr. Otis relaxed his fist and leaned in toward Vlad. His smile, kind and warm at the front of the class, seemed sly and twisted up close. A wise choice, Vladimir. I'll be looking forward to reading your perception of vampires, as if they shared a secret. Mr. Otis tapped his forefinger against his temple and pointed to Vlad, who looked quickly back at the paper he'd chosen and read the word once again. Vampire. There it was in plain English. Could he have misread it? No way. It just simply wasn't possible. Werewolf and vampire weren't similar at all. He could understand the mistake if the paper had said something like vampire, but werewolf looked nothing like vampire. And what about the moving letters? Had he imagined it? Aunt Nellie would say he'd been, he'd been under a lot of stress lately, that it had been a trick of the mind, that handwriting couldn't, even, couldn't move around on its own. She'd probably be right, but the entire event, imagined or real, still freaked flat out. Now, back to zombies, Mr. Otis began as he returned to the front of the class. Any guesses on what their diet consists of? Morning passed quickly into afternoon, and Vlad entered the lunchroom, finding Henry sitting at the table near the window, waving over him. Waving him over. Henry shoved an entire hostess cupcake into his mouth and grinned. The white filling squished out between Henry's teeth, eliciting a chuckle from Vlad. Vlad sat across from Henry and slid the sandwich out from his brown paper sack. He bit into the bread, and one of the capsules of blood burst open, spraying the roof of his mouth with crimson sweetness. He swallowed the liquid and finished his meal. After tossing the empty bag and stained, soggy plastic wrap into the garbage, he let out a loud burp. Excuse me. Henry laughed and offered him a cupcake, which Vlad immediately stuffed into his mouth. Sure, human food didn't help him out nutritionally, but some of it just tasted good. Henry asked, so when are you asking Meredith to the snowball? It's coming up soon, you know. Principal Snellgrove passed behind Henry and slowed his steps, peering over Henry's shoulder at Vlad. Vlad shrugged. I'm not sure I'm going to, Henry said. Why not? You've only been crushing on her since the third grade. And the girl like Meredith, you have to ask well in advance. Behind Henry, Vlad could see Meredith talking with her girlfriends. When she looked over at Henry, her blush deepened. Vlad shrugged again. Better, be, better to be crushing on her than have my heart crushed by her. Besides, I think she likes someone else. Henry slanted his eyes. Like who? You're making excuses again. Just ask her, Vlad. She's just a girl. Worst thing she can do is say no. But that wasn't the worst thing Meredith could do. She could laugh. She could tell her friends all about how the pathetic pale kid asked her on a date 
and word could reach Bill and Tom, more fuel for the fire, Vlad would rather die, or worse, go to the dance alone. Mr. Otis, who'd also taken on Mr. Craig's homeroom duties, was leaning back in his chair, his feet propped carelessly up on his desktop. When Vlad approached him after the final bell, the teacher wasn't wearing a smile, but more the hint of one. The infamous Vladimir Todd, what can I do for you? Vlad couldn't recall ever having done anything remotely infamous, but he nodded and withdrew the scrap of paper from his shirt pocket. I'd really rather pick again if you don't mind. Mr. Otis sat up and clicked his tongue. That wouldn't be fair to the rest of the class. Vlad didn't much care what was fair, only that he was a little more than hesitant to reveal the details of his true identity. He had hoped only to discuss vampire lore with the class, having become quite adept at separating the truth from the enormous number of lies spread by various media over the years. He'd much rather write an essay on werewolves or warlocks anyway, even though a thousand words of any of the creature on the list didn't strike him as terribly exciting. Vlad lifted his shoulders and dropped them again slowly. He had no reason to offer but the truth. I'd just rather pick again. Mr. Otis paused with his hand on the brim of the top hat. Then, in a scenting nod, he nudged the hat towards Vlad. He reached in and withdrew another slip of paper. Vlad gazed at the paper with direct intensity, wondering if the letters would move this time. He unfolded it and furrowed, furrowed his brow. Vampire. Mr. Otis stood and, after emptying the remaining slips of the paper into his bag, popped his hat onto his head. Fate can be cruel, Mr. Todd. I look forward to your oral presentation from a vampire's point of view. Vlad's feet felt like they were frozen to the ground. There was no getting out of this, as far as he could tell. And why did Mr. Otis seem so insistent, so anxious, that Vlad tackle the very topic he wanted most to avoid? The answer was easy. Because teachers, no matter how kind, no matter how friendly, are sadistic and evil to the core. Vlad swung his backpack over his shoulder and slipped out the door without so much as a grunt or a glance in Mr. Otis's direction. Vlad thought about Mr. Craig and wished that wherever his teacher was, he was safe and would return soon. It can't be all that bad. Maybe you just need to shift your outlook a bit, Nellie smiled. Vlad found little comfort in her words. You don't understand. That paper said werewolf, not vampire. When I pulled it out of the hat, I know it did. Nellie pursed her lips after a moment of silence. And after a moment of silence, she said, I think you've been under a lot of stress. Words don't rewrite themselves, Vladimir. It's just not possible. Vlad wrinkled his forehead and picked at the corner of his English book. And who wears a top hat? This guy is weird. Nellie sighed. Vladimir, give him a chance. You don't even know him. But Vlad wasn't sure he wanted to know Mr. Otis. I don't know, Nellie. Something just doesn't feel right. Nellie flashed him one of her overly concerned looks. Vlad didn't want to argue, and he certainly didn't want Nellie thinking he was crazy. He offered a smile, plastic as it was, and flipped open his notebook. You're probably right. This project isn't all bad, Vladimir, dear. You can finally get all your secrets off your chest without worrying about being exposed. And who knows? It might be fun to speculate about future abilities, and you could throw in some of those silly stereotypes just for laughs. She sipped the last of her tea and yawned. I need to get some rest. Don't stay up too late. I won't. But Nos Nosferatu is on cable tonight, so I'll probably stay up to watch it. He wasn't sure why exactly, but the older the cheesier a vampire movie was, the more it lifted his spirits. Nosferatu was his favorite as the pointy-eared, bald-headed monster had sent him into hysterical fits of laughter on a number of occasions. 
Nellie found the movies ignorant and insulting, but supposed Vlad's fondness for them just the same. Finish your homework first. Nellie was already across the room when she paused and threw him another worried glance. You don't sleep enough. Aunt Nellie, okay, okay, I'll see you in the morning. She slipped upstairs and out of sight. Vlad took out the instruction sheet Mr. Otis had handed out and scanned it. Maybe he should get started on the essay right away so that it wasn't looming over him for the rest of the term. Determined to get it over with, he opened his notebook, picked up a pen, and began to write. My name is Vladimir Todd, and I am a vampire. He sat back for a moment, examining what he'd written. It had been easier than he'd expected to confess his true nature. So Vlad tightened his grip on the pen and continued to write. He went into the details of his hovering ability and telepathy, exploring the question of why he had them. With a laugh, he then threw in speculation on why vampires had no reflection and couldn't be photographed. It was a ridiculous notion, as Vlad had never had problems with either. He'd managed to show up in every school photo since kindergarten, and to date, he hadn't heard anyone in the yearbook committee complain. And judging by the slew of pictures he had of his dad, it wasn't much of a problem for other vampires either. After a photograph on... After a paragraph on how stupid people were to think that any living being could live forever, he paused again and wrote one final line. I'm not a monster. I'm just me. A thousand words had come much easier than Vlad had expected. He read the paper over again and resisted the urge to erase nearly every word. After scarfing several handfuls of potato chips and drinking a blood bag, Vlad flopped down on the couch and immersed himself in the world of Count Orgelock. The creature known in the cinematic world simply as Nos Nosferatu. The movie had just reached the part where Count Orlock is traveling by raft when Vlad's mind began to wander down whatever road had taken Mr. Craig from Bathory Junior High. Rumors at school had echoed the suspicions of both the police and the media. Someone was responsible for the disappearance of the well-liked 8th grade teacher and no one knew whom to blame. People were saying that nothing seemed to be amiss. Mr. Craig's car still sat in his driveway. His belongings remained in their usual arrangement. His bank account hadn't been touched. If Mr. Craig had vanished of his own accord, he'd left with nothing but the clothes he wore, and that wouldn't have gotten him very far from the small suburban town of Bathory. Forgoing the rest of the film, Vlad clicked off the television and tiptoed upstairs. A minty, Nellie's fluffy, plump cat, rubbed against Vlad's legs. Vlad stroked her soft fur, and she arced her back in response. Nellie had named Amenti after the Egyptian goddess who, had, who was said to have guarded the gateway to the afterlife. The goddess, much like the cat, had beautiful hair and practically lived in trees. It was a fitting name as Vlad had come home on a number of occasions to find Amenti's pudgy body wedged in the lowest crook of the old oak tree in the backyard, though he was confounded to explain just how she had managed to waddle her way up there. After a brief interval in his bedroom to retrieve his jacket and one of the many photo albums he'd found in the attic, Vlad grabbed several candies from the drawer in the library and or candles from the drawer in the library and stuffed them into his coat pocket. Aminti nudged his ankle with his with her forehead, demanding his attention once again. Vlad reached down and arched scratched behind her ears. She purred happily and slinked away. He moved down the stairs, careful not to make a sound, and slipped out the front door into the brisk night. The streets were empty and dark. Vlad avoided the sidewalks, choosing instead the small beaten paths that wove between the house and that, the mark of many kids before him who'd been in search of the quickest route between school and home. Vlad rounded each corner with a careful step and threw a glance in each direction. 
He hadn't yet been caught out after curfew, but there was always a chance that he might be. He reached the side of Bathory High and paused briefly when he heard laughter. It was likely just the goth kids who often accompanied the high school steps after dark. Vlad slipped around the back of the school. Bathory High had been built up in the hollowed-out remains of a very large, very old Catholic church. It was well known that the church had been deserted sometime in the mid-1800s as a result of some sort of horrific affair, but locals had protested tearing the historical building down. Then nearly a hundred years later, a wealthy businessman had purchased the property and developed it into what had been known as Bathory Preparatory Academy. Twenty years later, the school became a public institution. It was probably the most interesting thing about Bathory. When Vlad reached the back of the school, he looked around to be certain he was alone, then closed his eyes and willed his body upward. His feet left the ground and he floated up to the school's belfry. The bell tower was large and square. Several arched windows lined its walls, open to the elements at all times. Vlad walked along the ledge and looked down on the group of the teenagers on the front steps. They were black from head to toe, merely shadows and amid more shadows. Vlad smiled. He slipped inside one of the windows and dug the candles from his pockets. Small mounds of wax dotted the room, remnants from previous visits. Vlad placed the new candles on the floor and lit their wicks with the lighter he kept on one of the window sills, illuminating the room with a soft glow. The bells had long been removed from the tower, and the only door had been sealed shut when the building became a school. The only way in or out was through the windows, and the ground was four stories below them. The room was large and empty, but for several books that had been banned from both the school and the town's library and a framed photograph that had been propped against a stack of stray red bricks at the center of the room, Vlad knelt and moved the candles closer to the picture. Hi, Dad. Thomas Todd smiled back, a portrait of happiness forever fixed. Vlad looked around his sacred space inside. I should get a chair. He placed the photo album on the floor near the candle. The cover was green leather. On the front was a family crest. Vlad flipped to the first page and smiled at the photograph of his mother, Melina. She was standing near an old car, looking young and pretty. Her eyes twinkled. On the hood of the car sat a younger version of Nellie, wearing a bright, happy grin. Vlad turned the page. He saw pictures of his parents' wedding, of their popular Halloween parties, of their lips locked in happy, wedded bliss. He ran his hand across one photograph of Thomas crouching in front of Melina's swollen, pregnant belly. His hands cupped her tummy. Vlad's smile faltered some, and he closed the album. This was all he had left of his family, pictures and memories. He lay back on the dusty floor. Moonlight shone through the windows, painting the darkness, darkest areas of the room in pale blue. The candle's flame flickered, and just as the first tear squeezed from Vlad's eyes, the light went out. Vlad lay in the darkness and released his pain the only way he knew how. He cried. At some point, he must have fallen asleep. Vlad rubbed his eyes. He stood and slipped out onto the ledge, leaving the photo album behind on the, with the rest of his treasures. The town was still very dark. Vlad looked down, hoping to catch another glimpse of his fellow nightwalkers, but the goth teens had gone. He was alone. As he floated down to the ground, Vlad looked back up at the belfry. It was the highest point of Bathory, and each time Vlad went there, he was the closest he'd ever been to leaving the small town behind. He darted between the houses and paused once in front of the door. Once his front door was in sight. Mr. Craig's house was only two streets over, directly behind Henry's. He slipped between the houses and smiled at the sight of Mr. Craig's tiny bung bungalow. 
The porch glowed dimly from the streetlight on the corner, a welcoming hue of white on the stark black of night. He stepped onto the porch and rang the bell. As childish as he knew it was, he was half hoping, half expecting Mr. Craig to open the door and lecture him on why it was rude to visit someone's home in the middle of the night. But no one answered. The screen door screeched as he pulled it open. He knocked loudly on the inner door, then stopped as it opened inward. Vlad looked over his shoulder at the quiet street. He stepped inside and closed the door behind him. The police had been here a zillion times, so Henry had said, but they might have missed something. They had to have missed something, or Mr. Craig would have been found by now, and why was the door left unlocked? Bathory cops were bumbling, or idiots, sure. But didn't they know how to lock up a possible crime scene? Beside the door sat a dark mahogany hat tree, adorned with Mr. Craig's jacket and scarf. An umbrella was looped over one of the pegs. Vlad moved through the hall with slow, sure steps. The house smelled like dust as if no one had been here to fill the air with the scent of pine cleaners and bleach in a long time. He half, he half expected to see cobwebs, but he was sure the scent was a trick of his mind of wild imagination. Vlad's shoes moved soundlessly over the bare wood floors as he approached the kitchen at the end of the hall. A closet door stood open, blocking his path, so he closed it. A painting hung on the wall opposite him of a red-haired woman holding a sword in front of her chest. Her eyes were closed as if she were sleeping, which made no sense. What with the raging fires painted around her? He wondered if it was a painting of Joan of Arc, the famous French heroine Mr. Craig had told him about at the beginning of the school year. Up ahead, something moved. Vlad didn't know what or who it was, but something had crossed the open door at the end of the hall. It may have been black, but he couldn't be sure, as there was only a little light illuminating his view. Swallowing his fear, Vlad took a step towards the door, where the thing had been. Hello? A rustling sound answered him, followed by gunshots. Bang, bang! Vlad ducked, covering his head with his arms as it flesh alone could protect against bullets. Bang, bang! Risking a shot to the head, Vlad lowered his arms and tried to get a clear view of his assailant. No one stood at the end of the hall, and a glance over his shoulder showed the similar lack of anyone by the front door, armed or otherwise. Bang, bang! Vlad rolled his eyes and stood. He moved into the kitchen and pulled the back screen door close. The banging ceased. Some hero he was. After an extensive search of the living room, dining room, and kitchen, Vlad decided to continue his search upstairs. So far, nothing seemed to miss at all. But Vlad couldn't bring himself to believe Mr. Craig would just vanish without a word to him. They'd been more than just student and teacher. They were friends. He turned on his heel and walked down the hall to the stairs near the front door. In the darkness, the coat tree looked a bit like a skeleton. Vlad froze. On one of the pegs hung a rumpled purple silk top hat. Vlad slipped the hat off its peg and looked inside. Embroidered in tiny, shiny thread were the initials O.O., Otis, Otis? His forehead creased in wonder and disbelief. Why had Mr. Otis lied about knowing Mr. Craig? Vlad looked around, suddenly wondering if he was alone in the house. He was almost positive that the hat hadn't been hanging there when he'd entered. With a glance at the stairs, Vlad quietly returned the hat to its peg. Was Mr. Otis in the house right now? Nellie was right. Vlad didn't know the guy, but could he trust him? What business did he have running around Mr. Craig's house in the middle of the night? Vlad looked up the stairs again. He should march right up and demand to know what Mr. Otis was doing here. Vlad took a step towards the stairs and paused. 
What if Mr. Otis had something to do with Mr. Craig's dis disappearance? What if he was returning to the scene of the crime? The noble thing would be to leave the house and head straight for the police station and tell them everything he knew. But what did he know? Only that what looked suspiciously like Mr. Otis's hat had been hanging on Mr. Craig's hat tree when Vlad had gone into the house to look around. Vlad doubted very much it would be enough to convince that idiot Officer Thompson of anything. Plus, Vlad might get in serious trouble for breaking curfew, not to mention breaking and entering. He'd do better to spend a few more weeks watching his new teacher and seeing if the odd feeling in his stomach would go away. Vlad stepped outside, pulling the door closed behind him. His toe caught the edge of the welcome mat, sending him stumbling with a grumble. He kicked the mat, but before it slid back into place, he spotted a strange symbol carved into the wood of the porch. With a gaping sound, he pulled the mat back again. Three slanted lines slashed across the porch, all encased in what looked like parentheses. <laughs>